Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing as we head into Memorial Day weekend. Before we get into uh, dissecting all the news of the week, let me introduce you to the panel that I've assembled tonight. With me as always is my friend Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, IndyCar.com writer Joey Barnes. I have uh, Richard Uden, race engineer, and last but certainly not least, Seth Eggert, the NASCAR correspondent at Motorsports Tribune. Gentlemen, how is everybody tonight? Doing good. Very good, thank you. Doing terrific. All right, well, it's great to have you all on. So, um, you know, we wanted we wanted a bump at uh, at Indy. Uh, we, we had two cars bumped out of the field. Um, and just to kind of set this up, we... Um, Everybody was, uh, you know, there was some speculation. Oh, maybe they'd go ahead and let all 35 cars in the field. Uh, there were a couple articles that came out, you know, most notably uh, in the Indy Star. Jim Aiello says uh, a bump could be disastrous for the 500. Uh, overwhelmingly, the fans said, oh, no, we want a bump. We want a bump. We want bump day back. The Speedway says 33 cars will start. Uh, we're not going to add to it. They stuck to it. And what happened was. The most pop, one of the most popular and arguably the most visible drivers in the series, James Hinchcliffe, is bumped out of the field. Now Hinchcliffe has been on reality television. Um, he's the spokesman for Honda. We've seen him in the Honda commercials. Uh, he just didn't have the speed. There were some questionable calls by the team, leaving him in the slow lane until he got bumped, rather than trying to get out there. When he did get back out there, the car had a vibration, and then time ran out on him. And then there's another backlash. This what's up with the what's up with the gun at 5:50 instead of 6 p.m. But when they started doing that. Two three years ago, when they started the Fast Nine, so the TV would have time to interview. So you know, everybody knew the gun was was going at uh, five fifty, not six. And Hinch is on the outside looking in, along with uh, Pippa Man. Um, and then we've got uh, on the other side of the coin, Ed Carpenter coming out and making a stunning qualifying run, topping two thirty on his first lap to take the pole. Uh, where Elio Castroneves was fastest in the Fast 9. Castroneves last out on the day, dropped to 8th. So we have, in the Fast 9, we've got uh, all four Penske cars, all three Ed Carpenter cars, and then the uh, the lone Honda cars in there belong to Scott Dixon and Sebastian Bourdais. So we're, we're set up for a good 500. But, Joey, uh, you've been there all month. Uh, let's talk about Hinch. And the bump and, and, and the aftermath and what do we need to do differently? I don't know. Let's talk about it. I mean, honestly, I don't know what we need to do differently. If I'm, I think the one thing that drove me kind of nuts is I hate the 550 rule versus the 6 o'clock rule. I mean, if we got to do something for TV, how about TV stay an extra 30 minutes for a post-qualifying show? 
I mean, I think that makes a lot more sense. Uh, I like the gun going off a six to end qualifying, but other than that, and, and you're not the only you could, you're not the only one in that frame of mind. You know, yeah, a lot yeah. of folks say hey, they'll take qualify right to the end, and you know, maybe with NBC coming on board next year, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, I look at this though, and, and I know that are more than more often than not you're going to see Honda commercials all over the Indy 500 and I'm sure Hinch is going to be all over it and you're going to look at it if you're an average fan and go well, I don't recognize him in the race and and all those things so I'm just they're still getting coverage right like Hinch is still out there he's still the face more or less because they're still going to have those TV spots and I look at it at more of a standpoint of you could argue that he's getting more coverage right now than he would if you were running 25th in the race because we all know that about 15th on back, you're not going to get any TV time. So judging by the way the Schmidt cars have practiced, you would say that there's a good bet that they're going to run worse than 10th right now. And I think that in some ways this is kind of a positive if you were going to try to shift it that way. I mean, Hinch has certainly tried to look at it as more of a positive. But um, – you know, this is definitely a crew error. They waited way too late to get him out there uh, because they ended up having a mistake with the vibration, and obviously it cost them. And it just makes you wonder now, like, okay, are we really going to see things change? Because we've seen NASCAR become all-inclusive, and we've got a champion's provisional, and they've got all these charters and all these other crazy things. And I love the fact that it's the best 33. That's Maybe it's too much of a homer for tradition. Maybe we run into a situation where, oh no, we we don't we can't risk losing losing these sponsors because there's so much money in this sport that's starting to finally gravitate towards it, and we don't want to lose something. But you know, I think when all said and done, the health of the sport's still going to thrive, and then it, you're going to be better for it. And this is a lesson to everybody. I mean, you look at Hunter Ray, bought his way in. A lot of people purist or not like the fact that now this makes qualifying matter more so and you know kudos to the drivers that didn't want to take anywhere between i'm sure half a million dollars and five million dollars to give up their ride i don't i don't know those numbers for sure that's just a guesstimate but kudos to them the, the stefan wilson's the connor Daly's, the guys that this is their season and if they're able to turn this into a career defining moment and a good top five run they just changed the complexion of potentially their entire career. So it's good that they bought into themselves more than they bought into the money. And um, as such, we have what was, I think, the most compelling storyline that's turned into just another added benefit to, to the 102nd Indy 500. Absolutely. Now, let me throw this out at you, Joey, okay? Now, they've talked about that, you know, there's more new teams in, uh potential for even more with another engine manufacturer you know coming on board perhaps in the future uh you know with the new engine rules but uh, i for one and it's not popular says i'm not opposed to increasing the size of the field to say it's 36 or it's 39 because there's plenty of room on that track to, to run 36 or 39 cars. So if we balloon to 40 or 42 or 45 entries to expand the size of the field, as long as that's the rule going in, as long as entering the month we know there's 36 spots or there's 39 spots uh, and there's still going to be a bump, I'm not opposed to that because 33 is just a number that was decided upon, uh, oddly enough, in 1934, after the 1933 Indy 500 uh, had a few fatalities when they started 42 cars, but that's, uh, you know, uh, 33 is just a number. Um, I think we need to have the fastest cars in there. I think we need to have a qualifying, but, uh, uh, you know, if the sport continues to grow, why not make the field bigger? You know, is that, do you think, does that 33 have to be set in stone? Do you think you'd also like to see a situation where uh, you have um, I don't know, 33 up to 36, but as long as you're within a certain speed differential as a leader to prevent, you know, just like the, the situation I think you had, was it about five, six years ago when Lotus entered and were a bit of an embarrassment? Yeah, John, um, Lacey, yeah, John Lacey, they parked him after like 10 laps. Because, but, that, yeah, but, that's, know, but there's a rule in place. For, I think it's the, 
105% rule, they call it, or whatnot. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, but, but, sure. but, but I mean, if, if the series continues to draw teams and manufacturers, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with expanding up to, you know, and, and not just to let everybody in, but, you know, there's, I, actually, I did the math because I'm a nerd, uh, that I figured <laughs> if, if you had 40 cars on the track at once spread out evenly, there's still 323 feet be, between each car. I'll I, I say this. I, I, I'm in agreement with maybe expanding the field. If you've got uh, 40 cars or 39 cars showing up uh, for the event and they're all uh, well-sponsored, yeah, take, take you know, in, 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 in to help the sport to uh, grow. <clears throat> yeah, expand. I'd go 36. I'd do 12 rows of three. Add it to that and, uh, and and let it go. I'd like to see. I mean, I, I remember the old days of qualifying where cars would go out and they, you know, they'd run three laps. Was it they could run three laps and if they after the they could wave it off, come back, work on their car and and reattempt, you know, uh, and, and bump their way back into the field, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I thought you know the way the old bump day was very very compelling. And, uh, of and you it, had you had four days of qualifying back then too, and that's reduced to two. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it'd be kind of a neat deal if if there were cars where you had movement, where you could essentially bump your way back into the field uh, like you used to. Um, I just um, you know you remember when people used to bring out T cars and all that stuff and, and do it, and that was when it was really wild. You know, it went right down to the to the gun went off at six o'clock and you'd have guys, you know, hustling through, uh, um, inspection and sitting at the end of the, uh, end of pit lane, ready to go out and only to run out of time. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of interrupt this fun little segment y'all got going on what ifs and whatnot. Number one, the sport is, has been on a, on a positive trend for a while now, but we're just now starting to see the benefits of everything. And this is the healthiest it's been, you could argue, in about 25 years. So one thing that I want to point out is, let's say we do expand the field. Let's say next year, 36-car entry, and we get, we get you know 40 cars that come out, and we bump four of them out, and then... The four that got bumped and maybe two or three others don't have a good race, and some sponsors decide to dip off. And the next year, we still have the 36 rule in place, but only 30 people, 33 people show up. I mean, then you're over here moving the needle to just make everything look good when you fall below a line. Let's set the standard on a regular basis first, and let's continue to meet this 35 rule before we start thinking too far ahead, I would love to see a situation. It would be a good problem to have if we expand the 36 or 39. And I want it to be a three, obviously. I mean, that would be ideal so we can keep the roads of threes pretty clean. Yeah. But we can't run into, yeah, but we can't run into a situation where we have sponsors leave and teams yeah. start to fall off. We're always going to have drivers. That's the one yeah. thing that's never going to go away, but it's everything else that's in place. And that's one of the reasons why an IndyCar seat is one that everybody wants to get. Yeah, and, and and that's a very very valid point that you made, and 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 purists will will like that and stay in. Well, it's you know this is the Indy Five Hundred. It's a one off event. It's the most it's the most special event of the year. It needs its own rules, its own qualifying concept, and and leave it like that. And and the purists will be happy. I'll be happy well, with it. I mean, I well, can, I can live with that. And the biggest thing for me though. This is the biggest race in the world. Every every set of eyeballs that loves racing at, at one point or another in their life, they always manage to put a, their pair of eyeballs on this race. And I think that more than anything, when you get, I'd argue this, is that NASCAR has hurt themselves with how much change they've gotten. All these other sports have hurt themselves by how much change they've implemented. And the one thing that IndyCar needs more than anything right now, especially with this race in particular, because nobody focuses on the rest of the season, they focus on this race, is continuity. And yeah, I think, leave it alone. Leave it yeah. alone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think the the Indy 500 in a way is a bit like trying to you know, it, it's it's so easy to do. You know, that's the big race for the year, isn't it, for these guys? I think if if 
the IndyCar organisation and the media people involved in the sport and the marketing people involved in the sport, they need to start looking at the other 15 or so races they have a year and not have the Indy 500 prop all of those races up throughout the year. They need to have people watching every every two weeks rather than once a year. Exactly, and that's that's something that Mark Miles has been trying really hard to do, and that's part of the reason why you look at Gateway. That was a big success. Yeah. We're going to Portland, which I am a huge fan of because even though I would rather see a Northwest race in Canada – I like the fact that we're at least going to the Northwest where really no other racing series is. And I think that we're going to see some really good growth and really good numbers out of Portland. And so, you know, it's just like racing, right? Marketing a a sport like this that is racing is effectively like being a driver out on the track. In order to pass, you got to go where they're not. And it's the same scenario to me. Uh, Whenever I'm looking at this thing and I look at how it's being marketed, you have to go where premier players aren't. And, you know, and I said this, I don't know if I said it on the show or I said it to a few other people, but I think it's important to take yourself away from the, it's going to sound maybe bad in a way, but the ISC tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, detach yourself from NASCAR type of branding if you can, only because, frankly, I don't think that they're going to do. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232 a very I don't want to say a very good job but I don't they're not going to pursue those kind of thing to push those kind of races for IndyCar and do them favors as much as they would their own brand with NASCAR um, it just wouldn't be promoted the same it's not to say that it would be promoted bad it's just that it wouldn't be promoted to the level equal of and that's the reason why we're sitting where we're sitting in some circumstances uh, I think you look at the way the sport is sponsored I think that's a key factor and we've, we've talked about this before you look at nascar and there are a lot of commercial sponsors whereas indycar has, has gone down the more corporate sponsor route recently and it seems to be starting to work there's not many indycar teams maybe apart from penske that i can think of that have a, a household name as their title sponsor whereas in in nascar you know everybody knows lows and nationwide and m&ms and all these sort of things so I think they've got to be careful. They, they've grown their own little market share. And as you say, I think they've got to be very careful of saying, oh, we're just going to market ourselves how NASCAR have. Well, that's not how, you know, you've got a different set of, um, you know, sponsors there. And you've got to be careful that you're trying to, you, you don't sort of dilute that. Yeah, so, but let me, let me bring this point up here. And this is one that's been made throughout the qualifying weekend and some of the articles we've read from different people is that uh, the perhaps the season regulars uh, in IndyCar should be protected from being bumped, which I strongly disagree with. I mean, that's the old 25-8 rule that, uh, that wrecked uh, open-wheel racing for um, close to a decade. Um and now this is being brought back up now that uh, one of the guys that is bumped is the, you know, uh, the 
you know, you know, for you know, like I said before, the most visible guy in the series. You know, had we had a, um, you know, Pippa Man get bumped along with a, you know, you know Jack Harvey or or Jay Howard or even Oriol Servia, um, everybody would have been good and well with it. When Hinch gets bumped to the side, suddenly, do we need to protect the? Series regulars, I, I disagree with that. I, you know, again, I, I say I'm not opposed to expanding the field, but uh, I think you need to race in us, speed. And Christopher DeHardy, you've just joined us, um, and welcome in, Chris. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do we need to protect the series regulars somehow, or? And Chris, what are you in a wind tunnel? Uh, I'm driving right now. I don't know if that's going to be. Uh, uh, big detriment um, okay so yeah well go ahead I, give, uh, give us your thoughts quickly and then mute again because you sound like you're in oh, a wind yeah, tunnel <laughs> no uh, so no one should be protected um i think it's actually a very very wonderful thing that no one is protected and no one is safe it puts a lot of stress on the drivers and on the crews and it shows that if you're not fast enough no matter who you are you shouldn't be able to race bobby rayhall missed the race in 93 after the view was the national champion in 92 Al Jr. won the national championship and the 500 in 94. This is showing 95. No one is safe, and I love that. Not only that, let's say you have someone um, that isn't uh, isn't full time, and they're fast enough, and they're you know out. You know they were quick enough, but they're they got bumped anyway, or bought by another driver. How do they go to the sponsor and say, yeah, I was quick enough, but because of the way this rule was written, I can't race. How does that, why would that sponsor then come back? And that was the point that I made on a Twitter yesterday is, especially with these one-offs that get in that are quicker, like Jay Howard, who was the quickest uh, Schmidt car on Saturday, how does he go to one cure and say, oh, I was fast enough, but unfortunately my full-time teammate could not make the show and unfortunately, I'm not going to be racing, even though I will deal with you. And that was my very, very appalling British accent, I know. But hey, leave, leave the British bit to me, okay? I, I was going to say, yeah, Richard's right here. Stop. <laughs> I, I, I try my best on that one. My limit, I, I don't have that big of a knowledge of Britain other than uh, Gavin Free and a week spent in London. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's one of the slow-mo guys, for those of you who don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, there's no... I, I, there's no reason to do any protection uh, for them. Several series regulars missed the race in 2011. I mean, granted, Hunter Ray got his way back in with Bruno Junquera, but still, uh, you had a lot of other series regulars in 11 that did not make the show, and frankly, it's healthy because it shows that, hey, even if you're really, really, really good, if you make a mistake, it's on you, and that's, that's going to ultimately hurt you in the end. So, I want to I spin this a different way. I... I, I don't disagree with Chris. I think the thing that stands out to me is that the sport kept its integrity. I Abs- mean, absolutely. I I don't know if other sports would have that same integrity, um, just based on how many changes that that we see day to day, year to year. And I think that above all, what makes this a positive is the fact that the sport maintained its integrity, and in many ways. That is the biggest positive of all, and that's why we see so many of these rave reviews, because somebody stuck to their guns. You mean you did something, and, and you stood by it? Instead of, well, last minute, change of plans, we're just going to you know flip the page and maybe throw that rule book out the window. I love the fact that, that we stay true to our word. All right, now, Richard, you got a question for, for somebody on the panel? Well, for, for everybody apart from Chris, who after that, a terrible British accent I'm never going to speak to again. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, what's your question, me, Richard? Go ahead. Me, if I tried to do an American accent, I'd never be allowed back on the show. So, um, um, now, 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 bear with me if I'm wrong here, but I, I'm, I'm right in saying that the 500 still counts as a double point scoring race, yes? Correct. Yes. Well, how do you guys feel about that? Personally, I, I don't like that. I think it manipulates the point standings a little bit and manipulates the season potentially. Uh, I, I don't like double points anyway. I think it, it, it ruins the... Because uh, it, it says, well, this race is more important than that race. And I think over the course of you know, a dozen to 15 races or 20 races a year, you know, each race in its own right is its own... 
you know, should count uh, equally. Um, I, I question having that setup where you get double points one race. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I my per- do you agree with willpower? I'll I'll put that out there because that's something that's been talked about the last few years. I disagree with double points at Sonoma uh, or the season finale, wherever it may be. Yeah. But I don't disagree. I disagree with certain points that used to be in qualifying. I love the fact that that was changed a little bit uh, for Indy. But I love double points at Indy. I wish personally if we ran. Like the five, if we ran the the triple crown of IndyCar, so to speak, uh, if we did Pocono 500 miles and somewhere else 500 miles, if those were all double points, I wouldn't have a problem with it personally. Yeah. But that said, I like the fact that this is the crown jewel event of IndyCar, and I love the fact that it's implemented and hyped up so much because, yeah, it doesn't hijack the championship a little bit. Yeah, but you know what? In the grand scheme of things, when you've got so many guys that are doing one-offs for this particular race, they don't make a championship impact for themselves. Now, could they potentially take away something? You know, like if they finish 22nd and Will Power 25th, do they hijack maybe a few of those points because they were a spot or two ahead? Yeah, but that's part of the field of 33. And you know where you stand after this race anyway. So you know where you need to go, and there's still plenty of time. And we've seen plenty of runs happen. I look at Joseph Newgarden last year, who was like 8th or 7th in the championship when he left Indy and then just went on a tear. He knew what he had to do, and he went out and he did it. So to that end, no. I love the emphasis at Indy. I wish it was just double points at Indy only, though, if we're not going to have other 500-mile races. But do you think, going back to the point we tried to make earlier, where one of the things that IndyCar needs to do to grow is is build up, you know, the, the momentum for some of their other races. Do you think that the potential, you know, some of these races, from a fan's perspective, are a little bit inferior to the 500 because they're not the double points? They're, you know, if you want to make everything a level playing field throughout the season and build up some of the other races, then do you not need to treat them with the same? And I know it's not because of the sport and the history of the sport, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to sort of think of a way that maybe it's sort of the 500 is so big and some of the other races are so comparatively small. You know, how can you adjust that balance? I'll well, send it to well, you another Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, Frank. I got something I want to point to prove here. Okay. Let me ask you this, uh, Richard. When, when you see the Monaco GP and you mm-hmm. see all the people that are in Monaco, how many of those fans do you think also go and watch Singapore? How many of those fans do you think go and touch other, you know, the Malaysians oh, yeah. of the world? So there's so many casual fans in sport that only pay attention to the ones that matter, the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, if you will, Yeah. that I don't even think that, cha- that championship implications even become a thought in their mind or points, like even if they no. ask questions. So to that end... I mean, this is more of a purist thing. I, and to that end, I don't think that it really matters because there's so many no. casual fans that attend it. I don't, okay. I don't know if it's even an issue, personally. So, so, so one very, very final question for you. I know we've got to get onto other topics, but would you take a 10% drop in viewer figures for the 500 uh, if you got a 20% increase in the other events? Oh man! I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's you know, like a pure argument. You know, what I mean? it's like that's oh, that, yeah. that's, that, that's not going to happen. So why even ask? You know, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so um, yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, the the series is built around the 500. Okay, uh, the Indianapolis 500 predates the formation of the current series by 85 years. There's so much history of that track it's one of the biggest races in the world it's one of the longest running sporting events in the history of, i mean the only sporting events that are that have run longer are the world series the kentucky derby and the stanley cup in the u.s There's- in the u.s yes you've got boating races in the in the uk that have been around longer and cricket so. and, and uh, so but what I'm saying is like, that 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 race has earned its prestige. It should have a 
the, the double points thing, like Joey said, it's early enough in the season. There's enough time to recover from it. I like Joey. I disagree that we need um, double points for the season ender. We don't need we don't need a chase. We don't need gimmicks at the end of the year. But uh, Indianapolis has earned that spot as the centerpiece of the series and the center, you know, the centerpiece of the motor, you know, motor racing world. Um, you know, the only events that are, are bigger, are perhaps Le Mans, maybe Monaco, you know, but, um, I would argue that if we did a similar qualifying format that we do for the Indy 500, if we implemented that same style for the Daytona 500, I almost guarantee you we'd have a bigger car count. I mean, I understand that this year was kind of an anomaly, but pretty soon it's going to be a trend because we're seeing it every single weekend. And the affordability of NASCAR is ridiculous. And so I think when you really get a chance to look at the qualifying format, I bet you you'd have a bigger car count if you implemented something similar to Daytona. All right. And speaking of NASCAR, we need to move over to our NASCAR segment in a little bit. But uh, before we do... Uh, a couple more things in the 500, and that being, Joy, I just I want to run this by you. I, I would ask Chris, except his uh, audio is terrible. The bump day being on the first day of qualifying, as opposed to the second day of qualifying, giving teams a chance to uh, bump their way back in, you know, with a day to work on the car. Um, what are your thoughts there? Because, you know, years ago it was pole day first. And then bump day last. Now it's kind of backwards, and there are a lot of you know a lot of old timers and purists. They don't they don't understand the you know qualify for the qualify for the race and then requalify for position. It, it kind of makes no sense in their mind. Those old guys like me and Gray. Uh, but uh, what do you think about a return to the older qualifying format where the pole day was early and the bump day was last? Man, I I really actually like this qualifying format, if I'm honest. I, if I had my way, though, we'd just do it all in one day uh, just to save time, save people, uh, you know, because this is a long month. But you know, I, I, I personally don't mind the format that we have because it puts a bigger emphasis on the poll because one day we're emphasizing the bump, the next day we're emphasizing the poll. And we're also emphasizing the Fast 9 on bump day. So there's two different races going on, and I think that's so awesome on a Saturday. And then on Sunday, we set the field. Like, I, I for one, actually like the style that we have because in the old day, to me, in a weird way, the pole sitter got lost. You know, the pole sitter was kind of a non-factor, a non-story. And, you know, and it, this time around, it worked out beautifully because you got a hometown guy in Ed Carpenter that took the third pole uh, of his career in the Indy 500. And, I mean, it's a huge deal around here because there's only a handful of guys that can say they've done that. So if, I think it puts a little bit more emphasis on somebody's accomplishment for pole, and, and we still take care of bump day, and we take care of the fast nine. So I personally like this format. All right, now, Gray, you've been watching racing your whole life. And so what are your thoughts on this real quick before we go ahead and make our picks for Indy and then uh, talk about that NASCAR All-Star race? Yeah, I mean... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a, it's a valid point. It's, it's, you know, people that, uh, I think what he's saying, but back back in that day, the, the poll did kind of get lost because the poll, you had four days of qualifying in those days, and the poll was one a week earlier. So you know, by the time you get to bump day, yeah, that's that's kind of old news. I can I can understand that. I, I I do like what Frank brought up about uh, you know uh, two days of qualifying. I think you could I think you could do both. I think you could still uh, you could still have your you can still have your fast nine and then and and then uh, and have uh, the bump done on on Sunday as well, just to make it you know that much more going on. 
So yeah, I, I can understand why some of the some of the old timers and 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 I've been watching indie for years and years and know how it used to be, and I kind of like that that drama of of of, of Bump Day and and you know that was the final 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 the end. You know. So would you transfer the times from Saturday into Sunday? And just if you had tenth on Saturday, you'd still be tenth on Sunday. Like, how would that work exactly? Uh, well, I would say, um, you know, it'd be something to have to work out. You know, you would have to uh, you'd have to have a format that you would go by, uh, obviously. But I, I just think I just think like bumping. Uh, it's really going to matter. You know, teams could stand on their time. Let me put it this way: you could stand on your time. If you if you were solidly in the field, you could stand on your time. The top nine are going to requalify basically just because it's like it's just a, you know to to uh, set the, set the top nine. You could still have that fast nine formula. Everybody from from ninth to thirty third could stand on their time, or you would have the guys that were on the bubble have to have their cars at the ready to, to get back in. That That's the, kind of the way it used to be done. You could stand on time, or, or essentially you could withdraw your time from Saturday and requalify. You'd take, be taking a gamble. And if and if your time you didn't better your time on Sunday and you withdrew, you, you'd knock yourself out of the field. And that, and that used to be done as well in the old way. And then that's, ha- that's happened a few times over history, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it would, it, it's a different format. I, I, and like I said, I don't think it's gimmicky because we've seen that before at Indy. And again, like we say, it's the biggest race in the world. It's the most special race on the world. It, it, and and uh, it means so much to, to make the show and get in. I just think, you know, you could really spice it up. And, uh, you know, you could put, put butts in the seats for Saturday and, uh, and Sunday if you went to that format where guys were standing on their time or withdrawing cars and trying to requalify to get back in. And that way you get, you know, you get, you, you have a, a lot of movement, you know, toward the, say from, you know, 20, uh, 25th on back. And you've got guys that are, that, that get nervous, you know, do they, do I withdraw my time and try to, try to requalify. And you're going to have guys, you know, sitting 11th, 12th, and, and, and that, they're going to stand pat. They, they solidly in the field, uh, and not have to worry. They might get bumped back a position or two if somebody really finds some speed. But uh, you know, I would say try that type of format one time and just to see what what kind of uh, response it got. What do you I mean? What do you think of that? I don't have a response. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, man, I mean that that's all good stuff. Yeah, we you know we can tweak the qualifying format. You know whether the the, the pole is first or the bump is. Or the bump is first, but uh, you know we've we, we can um, debate that forever. But uh, in the end, if, if you look at uh, this year's field, man, this is a pretty strong field, top to bottom. There's yeah. almost no pretenders in that field. We didn't have to, uh, uh, you know, uh, go out and reach out to Buddy Lazier and beg him to get a car in here. So. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, everybody in there has uh, earned their way in. But with that being said, in order to allow enough time to talk about NASCAR and Formula One Leonard show, we kind of need to move on to uh, make our picks. And, and again, the field is so strong. And um, Joey, you've been all, there all month. I would ask you who you like for the Indy 500, but I'm going to steal the first pick because I always pick last. But I, honest to God, and I, I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I think Will Power has an Indy 500. Uh, win up his sleeve, and I think that's going to be this year. So I'm going to go with Will, and um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Joey. You can throw in whatever other final IndyCar thoughts you want to before we move on, and then make a pick, and then we'll go around the, we'll go around the table. So Will Power, the guy that uh, won the Indy GP, I, I actually was talking about him at the beginning of the month because it's usually the guy that has a rough start to the season that Indy suddenly rewards, but I've never really, we've never seen a guy win the GP and the 500. So I think because of that, that's not, that your prediction is not going to happen. Um, I, I keep gravitating towards Mateus Laced. I think he's going to have a good run, really good run for the rookie. 
Um, Tony Kanaan, the AJ Foyt cars are a sleeper there in the uh, row four. Um, the Chevys obviously are really strong in no-to, so I think that they're going to be difficult to pass. That said, I'm going to take a Honda, and I'm going to pick a little <laughs> bit of a redemption. I think Bourdais gets it done. Um, I really, I know he hasn't always had the best results here, obviously, and certainly not the best luck after last year, but when I look at the fact that talking to him in qualifying, that car is bad fast like it was yeah. last year. And the big thing he said was, you know, I've, I got a little too loose. I chickened out. I backed off. But, you know, hey, if it's, if it's like five laps to go and he's in a scrum and the, and the nuts and bolts are flying off the thing, he's still going to wheel it. And I trust yeah. him to wheel it. So yeah. I like that car. I love Craig Hampson. I think he's the best engineer in the paddock. And I think that their damper program is second to none. So I think even though practice times would indicate them, how often have we seen the teams that lead and, and kick ass for the first week end up looking like crap on the 500? So I like him to, to get it done on Sunday. I thought his post. I thought his post qualifying comments were the most honest I've you know I've ever heard. I thought that was a remarkable interview that he gave after, after qualifying. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Never, never spares his uh, thoughts for an opinion. That's for sure. Now, Seth, you haven't said a word tonight, so I'm going to go ahead and bring you into conversation and allow you to have the next pick for the Indy 500. Well, honestly, I went with this pick last year, and I'm going to go with it again this year. I want to see the Andretti curse come to an end, so I'm going to go with Marco Andretti. Not a bad pick at all. You know, so uh, Andretti has been great at the Speedway. Um, but we'll have to see how it all works out. So, Gray, you are next for the pick. I've got five bottles of Fuzzy's Vodka sitting on, on, uh, <laughs> on, on, top, on top of my curio. I've collected one every year that they've done the commemorative bottle uh, for the Indy 500. And I tell you, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Ed Carpenter fan and a Fuzzy Zeller fan. And uh, I'm going to say the local hometown boy gets it done this year he's he's that track owes him one now Are those bottles empty or full they're still full i hadn't cracked them up and, okay and I I, maybe uh, enjoyed a little bit yeah. let, let, let me throw this out for a second so you know we've always heard the curse of the green cars at, at indianapolis right the green cars are bad luck you know you know that was started in 1920 when uh gaston chevrolet won the indy 500 in a green car and then was killed uh, a few weeks later at another track, right? For forever, nobody would run a green card in Indianapolis until Jim Clark showed up. Uh, 1965. 1965 won the car in a green Lotus. Um, and then, you know, you've got the era of sponsor-driven liveries, right, where we've seen green cars with, you know, Quaker State, Skoll, uh, GoDaddy, 7-Eleven, and... There's not been another green car to win the Indy 500 since Jim Clark. Um, now, of course, you know, Danica, who is Ed Carpenter's teammate, has got the bright green GoDaddy car, and, and on top of the green curse, she put the number 13 on her car. But it didn't escape my notice that um, Ed Carpenter changed his colors from uh, green to black. He's, he's driving a black car. Uh, the two times Ed qualified on pole, he had a green car and had a great success in qualifying and not in the race. I, I mean, could it be that Ed Carpenter goes ahead and wins this thing with uh, with uh, with a black car? So I uh, we'll see. I just funny. So all right. I would say so, yes, but I I don't like their race pace. I mean, Ed always seems, for whatever reason, as good as he is on ovals, for whatever reason, the race pace just starts to falter a little bit, like they mm-hmm. can't keep up with the track. I, I actually, the guy that I like that's with ECR, or girl, uh, Danica, I think, if she finishes, she's going to be in the top five. That's my personal opinion. But I actually like Spencer Piggott to get a career best mm-hmm. finish out of yeah. this. I mean, he starts P6. Yeah. I would love it for him because he's been right there on the cusp of the glass ceiling just waiting to break through, and I think that he could very well do it on Sunday. All right, now, Richard, you're the last one to get a pick for the race here. I was going to go with Spencer Piggott as well. Uh, I think that, you know, the where that team struggled so far this season has been to actually like put everything together on a Sunday. 
and uh, you know I think it's about time that they uh, you know put all the pieces in play and went out there and got the job done. I think it'd be great for them if they did. I think you stunned Frank there with that pick. I think I may have done. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I muted my mic. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean. I'm sitting here talking, and uh, <laughs> nobody... So anyway, so Christopher had to go. He says his pick is New Garden, and his dark horse is Sage Karam. So uh, with that being said, let's move on to talk about NASCAR and the All-Star Race and the new aero package and the restricted plate on the um, at Charlotte. Uh, Seth, you were there at the race. Uh, Gray, you were there at the race. Yes, I was there. Yep. All right, so you guys go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to throw it to you. It was Kevin Harvick winning yet another race, uh, not for points, but for money. Yeah, it was it was a terrific race. I tell you, it was the best mile-and-a-half race I've seen in, in, in many a year. Um, had all the, had every element uh, that you'd like in the, 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 uh, the uh, air dominance of the lead car was somewhat neg- was, was negated. I mean, usually the, on these mile-and-a-halves that – the lead car has a has a has a vast advantage when it gets out in, in clean air, and that was negated. A lot of passing. I think it was only two All Star races uh, in the history of the event uh, had more lead changes than uh, than this event. You had cars that could uh, drift back to, to fifth or sixth place and then work their way back to the lead. Uh, the the field didn't get uh, strung out uh, if. Uh, if the, the leader got more than six or eight car lengths out in front of, of second and third place while they were racing side by side, second and third place could line back up and run the leader down within a lap and, and get right back on his bumper. I was I was really I was really really enjoyed the race. And and the formula basically we've known for years, slow these cars down and you'll get better racing. Uh, these cars now go into the corners at such optimum. I mean, at, at such high speeds now, there's only one optimal line going into the corner, and essentially you have to run nose to tail. You really can't race side by side. Slowing these cars down about 16 miles an hour made for made for great racing. And I heard some of the press say, "Well, you negated the driver ability. You know, you put it. They're just holding it wide open." But I'm going to tell you what some of the moves that I saw. During that race, uh, was all ability. It was it. Some of the moves were daring. Uh, when you take and drive the cars into the third turn at Charlotte, three and four wide, uh, that takes some skill and ability. That's not taking the car's not taking anything away from the driver and in, in, in those uh, things. Like Seth said uh, earlier, uh, when we were talking in in, in pre-show, it it you could probably tweak on it a little bit and and, and make it better. Uh, I've got some ideas on how how that could be done, but it's it's certainly a step in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, NASCAR got some really good feedback from it um, on what they can do later. Obviously, the fans are clamoring for immediate change, and obviously we can't do that uh, right now because in the charter agreements uh, that NASCAR has with the teams, uh, before there are major rule changes, there's got to be a certain amount of time uh, in advance of an advance notice before they can be done. Um, I heard one guy, one longtime person uh, mentioned the other day that, you know, when they talk about implementing these rules, NASCAR doesn't need to, to, to go with the, with the driver council or the owner council. They should listen to the fan council and make the decision based on that. And there's a lot of validity to that because you mm-hmm. let the teams, you let the teams get involved in it. And, and have time to do it. And one of the neat things about this this setup was the teams had no time to prepare for it. They didn't get the spoiler, the spoiler or the duck work in advance, so they could go to the wind tunnel and tweak it. They showed up at the track uh, and were issued the spoiler, the splitter, and the ducks, and had to run it as they came. And they kind of learned on the fly. But like it always is, the cream's going to rise to the top. And these guys are going to adapt, and they're going to adapt quickly. And, yep. of course, I, I don't think it was any surprise that Harvick won the race because uh, even with the new setup, mechanically, right now, they have they have found an edge, and it's working for them. And, uh, you know, if we used the same format last year uh, in the All-Star race, we'd probably seen Truex prevail yeah. with it. 
So yeah, good hats off to NASCAR. Uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll uh, stick with it. But I tell you what, the, even the open, uh, the pre race, that was some terrific racing in that. Uh, really enjoyed watching those guys. And and, I'm, and hats off to AJ Allmendinger and and Suarez. They drove their butts off. Uh, in the show and really i mean really for me i enjoyed watching them run because they were aggressive all night long and and, and tried to take the lead and go to the front so yeah hats off to those guys because they they really put on a show yeah, yeah I mean, I, for the for the first time in a while i was entertained i mean it was the first nascar race i've seen i was actually entertained I'm like okay this is cool um i do agree the fans need to have they need to be the people that NASCAR listen to, right? Like, you don't let the inmates run the asylum, necessarily. And, I mean, that's what we had back in, like, the old card era. We saw that turned out. So, yeah, I, I think that the one thing I will say about this, though, as much as it was awesome to watch, and I would love for it to be implemented for the 600, and it's also helping from a safety perspective because the cars are so slowed down, you're not going to have a chance to create any lift whenever yeah, you have and, a bad accident. And, yeah, and, but, and that same formula works in all forms. You slow yeah. the cars down. The the fans sitting in the stands or watching on TV can't tell you tell the difference between a car running and going into a corner at 190 versus 175 or 180. It's you yeah, can't. I, you slow the cars down, you're going to get better racing. That's 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 the name of the game. My, my one thing I'll say, and I know I cut Richard off a second ago, so I'm going to throw it to him <laughs> after this. Um, you have to be cautious not to implement this at every mile and a half, because if you start to see the same show, same show everywhere, people become disinterested. So, yeah. you know, all the mile and a half now, unfortunately, look just about the same. We don't have a flat Vegas anymore mixed with the high bank Chicago, and now everything looks the same. So we have to implement something to make sure that we can change the products yeah. at other mile and a half. But as far as this being a start, I like it. So Richard. Well, yeah, I think your point there, the issue with the track is very valid, but what I was pleased to see was you had closer racing and it was, but it wasn't like a Daytona or a Talladega where you had huge, you know, pack of racing. Uh, you could make a move by yourself. Uh, you know, it helped when there was, you know, guys pushing you or working with you, but, you could go it alone out there. And I think what was really important was that Harvick won. Um, I think if somebody else had won or, you know, somebody from mid-pack had won, then people would say, oh, well, you know, it's making the lottery of it like a super speedway. The fact that he went out and won again, he's like, okay, the aero package has changed, but the best guys still win. You know, what, what's more important? If you had the same guy win every week but had exciting close racing... Is that better than having a different winner of your race but boring races? Uh, that's, what, that's what they call Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while I was sitting there watching the race, uh, it reminded me a lot of the old uh, Daytona and Talladega clips from the 80s, from the 70s, in which the, it was the pre-restrictor plate era back then. <laughs> and the way drivers would have to work together to try to get runs and the way the runs formed. It was very interesting. And the number one comment from drivers after the race, whether it was Truex, whether it was Kevin Harvick, Suarez, Denny Hamlin, who I spoke to this morning, they all used the same word. That was fun, that they had a lot of fun. It was refreshing. It, it, and, it, it, and it appeared that way watching it. Because the guys diced it up. I mean, they weren't riding. They were they were actually. I mean, working on one another. And 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. Now, something that uh, Mike Wheeler, who I also spoke to earlier today, uh, that he had mentioned was if you're going to slow the cars down the way they are slowing down with this package, if you're going to implement that at other tracks, say Michigan and have a 400-mile race, you just turned a three-hour race into possibly a four- to four-and-a-half-hour race based on the drop in lap times. So is it, is it not... I other, so I mean, not, he, may have been, he may have been exaggerating, but he I understand was, where he's going he was, with he was, he was, Right, he was overstating that a, a, a good bit because... You're not gonna. You you had a drop off of 16 average speed drop off of about 16 miles an hour, but basically, I don't think 
I don't think you're going to see that much uh, difference. You, you probably go back. You go back to race times that that would go back maybe uh, a dozen years, but still, you're not looking at, at adding an extra hour to a race. I don't. I think that's a little, a little exaggerating. But one of the things that I'd like to see implemented, if they do change this and, and implement this program down the road. Um, they use the they use the restrictor plate. I'd like to see, and this would be a good time for it because NASCAR has implemented the engine rules this year, where the teams are having to run engines uh, twice, and it's and thereby they're reducing their engine their current engine inventory is going down. This would be a good time for NASCAR to look at doing a major engine change since we're already reducing the uh, the engine inventories of these teams and reduce the cubic inch displacement on these on these cars to maybe go back to the old 310 or 311 cubic inch engine and give them a smaller throttle body, which you're going to slow them down, you're going to take horsepower away from but you're going to still give them a little bit of throttle response that they lack with a plate. Couple that with the with the with the drag that they increase. They they almost double the drag on these cars this weekend. You couple those two two together, and you might have a formula the, that that would work pretty well. And it may, it very well may. And as we have said, Harvick won its second All Star race win, eleven years today to his first one, and in both All Star races he started four. One, uh, what was sorry? One very final comment. I know we were just uh, getting away from it, but on Gray's point, a technical point of view, I think you, you I, I'd like to see them take a little bit of the downforce away. I know they added more downforce. Take just a little bit away, maybe um, you know, increase those top end speeds, just to so make sure the drivers are on the brakes and are having to lift into the corner. You don't want to see them flat out at every turn and, and, and lose that ability to to balance the car in the corners. Sorry, back back with you. Well, that, what would, uh, you, you know, you talked about, you know, at the opening of the show, Seth, you liked the, liked it, but you thought it needs some tweaking. What, what would be your suggestion to, uh, to add to it? Well, I'm not as familiar with the mechanical or the technical side of it. I'll be honest right now. Maybe a little bit of a bigger uh, restrictor plate to allow, uh, instead of a 16-mile-per-hour drop-off, maybe a 10-mile-per-hour drop-off. Maybe something along the lines of a tapered spacer, but to me that would be more of the Xfinity series than we would have in the Cup series. So, again, where I'm not as familiar with it, I wouldn't make a suggestion. Yeah, that that makes that makes a good point. Now I will say this: they were they were fifteen mile an hour, or sixteen mile an hour off this weekend. You give these teams this package and let them go back home with it, with the spoilers and all the equipment. They are going to reduce. They're going to they're going to close that gap. They're not going to come back and be sixteen miles an hour slower. They're going to be more like what you said, ten to twelve miles an hour, because they're going to find speed in it. You see what I'm saying? So anything, you know, this was this was because they got this cold turkey, so to speak. But if these teams are allowed to work with it, they're gonna they're gonna cut into that. All right. So really good, good stuff. Really good observations on the uh, on the new package. But uh, we're gonna be running the conventional package when we get to the 600 next weekend. So uh, if we want to uh, talk about Formula One at all, we have to move on and make some picks for um, 600 and have a few moments to speak about the. Uh, Monaco Grand Prix coming up. So, uh, that being said, Richard, who do you like for the 600? Blaney. Seth? Harvick. Gray? Come back to me. Pass. Joey? Bush. Which one? I I was just waiting on that one. Um, I'll go (laughs) Kyle, actually. All right, Gray, I'm back to you. Oh, let's see. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm, I'm going to say a Chevrolet might prevail this time. I'm going to go with Larson. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Truex. Why not? Uh, he's been uh, pretty good on the mile and a half. So, uh, so Richard, we've got uh, about four minutes to talk about uh, <laughs> the Monaco Grand Prix coming up. Uh, you know, people are speculating maybe, Mc, 
maybe uh, Mercedes is not the shoe in for this uh, week. So, um, what you got? Um, I, I, they're going to be there or thereabouts. I think they're going to be competitive. I think you have to. You can't really look beyond, to my mind, Red Bull for uh, uh, this weekend. They've got very, very good mechanical grip. They, uh, you know, their aero side is pretty efficient. Mercedes probably won't be a million miles wide, I think, because. Everybody says, oh, they've got good engine and their aero and mechanical grip aren't quite as good. But if you've got a good engine in, in a low-speed track, you can put um, um, increase your downforce level. So you, you counteract that. There's a few comments have been made about the wheelbase. Mercedes have turned around and said the wheelbase on their car is worth uh, or penalised them by 0.1 seconds of lap round Monaco and that their increased downforce will make up for that. Yeah, possibly, we'll wait and see. But it's, it's a great circuit. It's so unique. It's so demanding on drivers mentally that uh, you hope that you get a, you know, the tyres are taking the hyper, super, ultra, mega soft tyre, whatever they're calling it now, uh, there for the first time, I believe. So you could see some guys going on a, a slightly different qualifying strategy, maybe not running those tyres, especially if there's not much life in them and, and maybe starting fifth or sixth and hoping that they can jump the guys in the pit stops and, and stay out there a little bit longer on the uh, slightly harder tyre. It'll be, uh, it, it could be a fascinating race. It, it, it really could. And uh, it's a great way to sort of kick off a, a fantastic day of motor racing on uh, in three series, really. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Monaco has been historically tough to pass and qualifying, qualifying position has been tantamount you know we, we've seen uh, you know monica races that are, that are just a procession and then we've seen some that are just absolutely crazy you know the monaco grand prix was one of the first races i watched when i was a little kid uh, when my uncle bought a bought a uh, this new fangled device called a vcr remember those <laughs> i thought you were gonna say television then uh, oh no, I'm not that old. I bought a VCR, and he, he, we we had watched the um, uh, 1978 uh, Monaco Grand Prix. Patrick Dupaulier took the win, but uh, ever since then, I fell in love with Monaco, and I've you know watched Formula One the rest of my life. And it's just it's just a neat event. It's uh, I don't think it's lost any more of its luster than uh, than Indy has or the Coke 600 has. So. Um, and Seth says, I don't know how to work VCR. Seth? All right. One very quick point. Uh, Go right ahead. The, um, there's no Friday practice at Monaco. It's Thursday practice. So, uh, um, yeah, I guess it'll be too late, won't it, by then? Oh, well, carry on. <laughs> I, I don't know what your point was. Yeah, so the, the practice is Thursday. The, yeah, they, people they, they, want to watch the practice. Don't expect to see it on Friday, Tuesday, it, tomorrow. It's yesterday, Thursday. folks. Yeah, it's yesterday. It's yesterday. Yeah. You need to get your VCR out and play it back on there. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Guys, we are up against the clock. We're just about out of time. Uh, who wants to take a pick for Monaco? Gray, who you like? Uh, I like uh, Vettel. Vettel. Seth, who you like? Hamilton. All right, Richard. Timmy. Joey. I would love it if Richard's pick came to fruition. Um, I really don't know how you don't pick Daniel Ricardo for this race. Um, I think Mercedes, or I think McLaren's going to be strong. Alonso could sneak up there because that track hides it, hides deficiencies in some ways. But I like Ricardo. All right, and I'll. I'll just go with Lance Stroll because why not? Because <laughs> y'all, 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 y'all took the good, good picks. So. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Why don't you do the good thing and pick the man from Monegasque, Charles Leclerc? Yeah. Why not? Leclerc, yeah. I mean, or, 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 or I, I could, I could also he's running really good. I could also pick Valtteri Bottas too. So or Max Verstappen. I would, or Max Verstappen, yeah. Uh, or I could pick um, that, Kevin Magnussen. That's Albert. I think that Sauber could run really well at Monaco, honestly. I think he could run top seven. All right. Well, guys, we are out of time before we... Uh... We've been out of time. Don't lie. Don't lie to the audience, Frank. They love us. Maybe not you. 
I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, and Richard. Joey, you were on no. the show, too. So, uh, to all our listeners on Drafting the Circus, Hoobazoo Radio, iHeartRadio, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week when we uh, got, got the results from this greatest uh, weekend of motorsports and Memorial Day weekend. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.